Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath, coming to you from uh, Hawaii, and I'm here with Judy Sedgman, coming to you from Florida. Maybe one of the last episodes she'll be coming from Florida. Yeah, pretty soon I'll be coming from Pennsylvania. <laughs> so today we thought we'd talk a little bit about, we had somebody that wrote in to, our, uh, to us about um, something that she disagreed with. And she said that she disagrees with, um, I think what she was saying was that she disagreed that thought, I don't know what she was disagreeing about, but basically she was saying that she felt like uh, feelings were stored in the muscles of your body. Right. It wasn't thought. It was your muscles having that containing. Yeah. And so people will call it muscle memory. And um, a lot of times people go to like rolfers and masseuses and they touch a certain part of their body. And it seems like emotions flow out of that touching experience. And um, so this is the deal as we as we understand it like ex- your experience is being generated through thought and consciousness in the moment now what happens is with the body is that it's connected to the brain right it's connected to memory but memory is thought okay and the experience of the memory which you'd call your emotions is just the thought being brought to life that creates a physical sensation, okay? So you touch a muscle, that signal gets sent to the brain. The brain goes, oh, remember when this muscle was touched like this before? Blah, blah, blah. And then you, it creates this experience through memory. And I, I give an example. When I was um, a little girl, my brother was practicing his bow and arrow in the house. He'd gotten a bow and arrow for Christmas and he was not supposed to be using it in the house. But he, we were in his bedroom, my sister and I have twin brother and sister and they were in the bedroom and I was in there, although I only remember my brother and I being in there. But at any rate, he was practicing the bow and arrow and it hit the bed, the tip of the arrow hit the bed and it bounced up and it hit me right between the eyes. And, of course, you know, your face bleeds a lot, so the blood is splurring out, and they're trying to muzzle me because they don't want my mother to know. And it's this, this, and my mother comes rushing in, and she's like, you know, he gets his bow and arrow taken away for a year or something, and um, there's this big to-do about it. And so that was just a funny story that we told, you know, in our family. And and then when I was um, in my 20s, they started to do the eye check for glaucoma, right? And in those days, they would touch your eyeball to get the pressure. They had Now they would do a puff of air on it, but in those days, they would actually touch your eyeball. And I would go in, and the guy would come near my eyes, and my eyes would clamp shut like there was uh, no uh, 
you know, there was, it had nothing to do with me. Like I, I wasn't thinking about it at all. But what I realized is that it was my memory, right, of that experience that would be generated. And you have to remember that thought is what kind of allows us to process light. So it's the fastest thing that exists. And so this all, like you have a thought, it creates an experience and it happens so quickly that it seems like it's coming from the person trying to touch my eyeball. That just triggered a memory, right? And the memory made my eyes shut to protect me because obviously that was a big deal. Now I would do everything. I'd go in there and I'd be like, okay, stay calm, don't react. And there was absolutely not, I had no ability to have control over that at all. Now, over time, now they can get close to my eye and they can do it and it's no problem because as I got more secure and less at the effect of my thinking, my reaction slowly over time dropped away and I don't have that kind of reaction much anymore. And so that's kind of the deal. It's like it's still all thought, but where you experience it in your body and how you experience it is how your memory is coming to life. Anyway, that's my best shot at it because you can't have, like, think about it once. What is an emotion? Is it like a pee? Is it like a, 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 a liquid? Is it like um, some kind of body fluid that goes into your muscle and when you touch it, it squirts around? No, a feeling isn't a thing. It can't reside anywhere. A feeling is just an experience that's generated through thought and consciousness in the moment. And the more you experience it, the more real it gets and the bigger the experience is altered a little bit. So it's just changed. But you can't, things, you know, I used to think about feelings like this, that they were little varmints kind of running around under your skin and they'd like pop out every once in a while or people would, make you angry because they'd say something and suddenly this anger, this thing called anger would come out of you. But emotions are not things. They're just a moment to moment experience. So they can't be held in your body. They can be held in your memory and they can come out through your body, but they can't go the other way. Wow, that, that's such a great story, you know, because it's so subtle. That we have memories we don't even think are important, but they, you know, when they, when they're triggered, we have that same experience, and I, I think that's really true. The other part of it is if you if you study and mind body medicine now has become a very big deal, uh, and it really didn't become a big deal until sometime in the mid nineteen nineties. It just sort of took hold, and now there's a whole field developing, and there's a lot of research being done. And there are people now can image the brain activity so they can watch your brain. Essentially what they're watching is your brain receiving and dealing with your thoughts. Um, although they probably don't realize that thought is entering the brain via this energy of life called mind. But, um, and what, what, the, what that does when, when now that they're looking at all the different parts of the brain and what lights up when and everything, what they're really seeing is the brain producing different chemicals uh, which are then sent to the sensory nervous system and stimulate whatever needs to be activated according to your thoughts. 
And they're coming around now to scientifically kind of agreeing with us that, yeah, there's something deeper. I know I've talked to a couple of neuroscientists that even use the word innate. There's something innate that we don't understand yet that is going on there. And, that, and that's really, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's mysterious because nobody can see, touch, or hold thought. Thought is an energy. But it's not mysterious because that's how you can, you're watching energy come to light in the brain. Like you're watching the brain light up. Where does that power come from? You know, it's not like the brain is self-generating it. So it's kind of, it's interesting that we're just coming to the point now where we're asking the right questions. But for people who really believe that um, bad things that happen, especially trauma, is stored in the body, that this this is a very subtle point, but I mean, I've worked with women, for example, that had um, were sexually abused as children, and as a result of that, they have uh, they can't when they try when they you know later in life when they actually are in love with somebody and they're trying to have a normal sexual relationship, they they they, they freeze up and they have all this pain and they can't relax and they don't they don't enjoy it, and so they think. Well, that's all that stored, you know, that's that stored in my pelvic system or whatever. And, and I can't, I'll never be okay again, you know, that I've been ruined. And there's some ways in which psychology has encouraged them to think that. That yes, that was a very tragic, traumatic experience. It's, you may never really get fully over it and they try to work around it and everything. But what's really true is that's what Chris described. It's like the, re- the incident of starting that activity stimulates that memory of something entering you. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you're, ha- you're recreating that experience. Now, I have actually worked with women who have had this problem and are, you know, have been sexually abused and are, have just given up and thought, well, I'll just never have a normal relationship. And when I talk to them about thought, I don't talk to them about sex or their relationship or anything like that. I just, you know, we talk about the principles, we talk about thought. And I've had women say to me, you know, for some reason, I'm, I'm feeling more relaxed about this, you know, and I've met this person and I may try again. I, I feel like maybe it's going to work out. And what they're really doing is just coming to see the power of that memory and realize that they don't have to entertain it. They can let it pass. And... For one woman, she said, you know, I find that if I, uh, she was married and her husband was delighted. As a matter of fact, I got a thank you note from her husband, which is very cute. He had a hard time figuring out how to express what he was thanking me for. But (laughs) when he finally got to, I'm thanking you because my wife is so much more relaxed now and we really uh, enjoy each other. So that was very sweet. And, um, but what, what she found is that she needed to clear her head and she couldn't just rush into it, you know, that if she could just stay in the present moment and get really present with her husband and be thinking about him and, you know, and spending, spending close time with him before they actually engaged in the act, she'd be in the present and that memory wouldn't trigger that, that response. But she didn't have any other treatment. She didn't have like some kind of muscle treatment or deep massage or anything it was just her thinking changed and she also was on to it she recognized what it was so it no longer had that power as soon as you know that it's a thought it loses any power <clears throat> yeah 
Yeah, it doesn't mean that even that you don't have those, like those thoughts might come to mind. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, like if you're, you know, you're a rape victim and you see a story about somebody being raped, you, it'll trigger your thought of that. But if you know that that's all it is, is a memory being triggered, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to keep it going. So, you know, our feelings are just kind of um, interesting ways that our thoughts come to life. And it, they come to life in all kinds of really interesting ways. Like we're just, you know, beginning to understand all this. But if you stick with the basics of how experience is created and you go back to that to help you understand what's happening, you'll always be able to come up with a, an understanding of it. And that's what gives you the, the uh, peacefulness about it. Otherwise, it's freaked, you get freaked out. Like, oh my God, my body's reacting this way. What's happening? I'm not doing anything. And you feel like you don't have any control over it. And then you get freaked out about that. Right. So it just, you know, it makes it worse. Right. And then, you know, it's like over and over and over again, it just gets, each time you think about something, it gets more real. And so the next time you think about it, it's that realness plus another realness. So it just keeps building on it. So over time, some of those memories just get embedded and, and feel so real. But there, you're released from that when you see that you're not your thoughts. So... And sometimes, you know, you just have to remember that, okay, when this happens, this happens, it's just my thought. So you're also not freaked out about the experience should it, should it happen. Right. It just, you can live, let it pass and go forward. And, you know, pain is interesting too, that there are people who have chronic pain and it's always with them. And that's true. So like people that have shrapnel in their bodies or things, people that have had bad uh, results from a a healing of, you know, when they've broken things and they've got pins in their legs and things, or people with really bad arthritis. So people have pain that is part of their life. But pain, as I, you know, we always say pain is pain and suffering is thinking about the pain. And I had a very powerful experience of that when I was working in LeConnor. Uh, with the Pranskys a number of years ago, I guess, gosh, it's almost 30 years ago now, but um, I, was, I can't believe it. No wonder we're all so old. <laughs> yeah. It's gone by. But anyway, I, um, I had, a, there were, there were just five of us in the group and we lived in this very small town. If you've been there, it's a very tiny town. And there was one dentist in town. Everybody went to that one dentist and, um, he never worked on weekends and he was a fishing guy. So he would go, he would not only wasn't working on weekends, but he wasn't anywhere near town. He would go off fishing. And so I woke up on a uh, Saturday morning when we had a group coming and I was supposed to lead the group that morning to start it off. And, um, and I had this unbelievable toothache, which was very uncommon for me. And, you know, it, and it was really, it was just amazing. And my cheek felt all hot where that tooth was. I knew something was wrong. And I, I started to think, oh, I better call George. I just can't lead this group. And then I, then I remembered that he and Linda were going to do something for, I think, her mother's birthday or something. They had some special family thing. And I thought, all right, I'm just going to go and do it. I'll find a way. And so I, I drove to the office and I remember thinking, okay, just be with the group, you know, and I went in there and I started talking to the group and I talked for like a couple of hours and then it was time for a break. And 
during that couple of hours, I didn't even remember my tooth. I was so in, connected to the group and it was a beautiful group and, it, you know, they were lovely people. And we got into talking and, and then as soon as we took the break and I went back to the kitchen where, where a break room was in the, in the, uh, in the office where we worked, I was like, Oh, oh no, I could feel the pain again. And I really realized that pain had not gone anywhere. It just wasn't on my mind. In other words, it was in my body. I did have an infection and I did have to have, you know, care for that tooth. So it wasn't that it wasn't a real thing, but it, the other side of the pain not lodging itself in your body is that when you have real pain in your body, if it's not on your mind, it, it's like bad music playing in the background. You just kind of forget about it. Yeah, that's kind of the role consciousness plays, isn't it? It's like consciousness is awareness. And when you're not focusing on it, you're not aware of it, you don't feel it. Right. And as soon as you do, I mean, people do that all the time. Like you, you worked with veterans. I've worked with veterans. They talk about having, you know, being hit or something, and they don't even know they were hit for a while. Right. And then all of a sudden they see it, and then they're like, ah, all of a sudden they're, the pain hits them, right? They have this big experience. So, you know, how we feel physically or emotionally is coming from what you're focusing on. Exactly. You know, so like sometimes when people get anxiety, they're so focused on the fact that they're anxious, they can't get out of it. That's all they, that's all, their mind is just totally, oh, I feel terrible, bad things are going to, and then they'll say, oh, and then I had dinner with my husband and we had a really lovely time and he told me how much he loved me and and, and that feeling just went away. Like, yeah, isn't that interesting? And then they're, but it might come back, so I got to pay attention, you know, and then they're back to focusing on managing what they're not even aware of. So, And especially when it comes with things like a pounding heart, you know, when you get so anxious that you actually are affecting your heartbeat and your breathing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to, I used to think there was somebody in my house all the time and my heart would literally feel like it was coming out of my body and my I, I, my muscles felt like they were frozen. I couldn't move. And then I'd realize it was my mind making things up and then it would, it would pass. Yeah. We would just go away again. So, you know, it's like, that's, that's, it's, it's a, it's a magical thing. The gift of thought. It is. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. The gift of thought. But when we don't understand how it works, we can get all caught up in our little analysis because you know, when people do that, when they do massage and they touch a muscle and this motion happens, it seems like it's hocus pocus. You know, it feels like there's something about that that did it, but it's not any different than, you know, people would come into my office and um, they'd start thinking about, you know, I'd start talking about being angry and pretty soon they'd be angry about something. I'd ask them, you know, like, are you angry? Or, you know, and then pretty soon they'd start thinking about it and then they'd be angry. It's just the power that thought has to create experience. And, and it's really, it's part of, if you think about it, it's part of the way that people manipulate people. And this is a good thing to, to know because, I, for example, back in the 70s, when there were a lot of self-help groups that used to do these, you know, two and three day experiential trainings, and they would have these uh things where it would involve lights and music and stories and then people would get all worked up and then 
you know, the music would get louder and the lights would get dimmer and everybody get intense and then everybody be crying and they'd be all upset and they'd be, you know, some of them even would throw up. They'd be so upset, their stomach would get upset. And then, you know, when they started bringing the music back down and the lights would start to come back up and the person that was leading the group would turn to a nicer tone of voice and start saying soothing things and everybody would calm down. And then they would say how much better they felt. Oh, that was wonderful. I felt so much, I feel so much better. They didn't feel any better than they did before, but they had just had the experience of allowing somebody to get in their head and, you know, let those stories affect them or let the music or whatever was going on affect them to the point where their, their whole body was responding to the level of tension and agitation and fear or whatever it was that they were creating in their thinking. And that manifested physically so that when they calmed down and felt better again, they thought they'd had some miraculous transformational experience. And, I, and I've thought about that so many times because I thought I've seen, I've seen that in politics. I've seen people get manipulated that way. They don't even realize it. They get all worked up and angry and stirred up. And then somebody, you know, brings them back and brings them closer to the speaker. And they think, oh, yeah, that's the answer. And it's really not. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it, that's what I call psychological hocus pocus. Right. Because it, it's like taking people back in the past, back into trauma, back into all that negative emotion does the same thing as people will go to these groups and they'll talk about their trauma and how awful it is and they feel like crap. And then at the end, people do these things where it's like, okay, now let's focus on the positive and they start feeling better. And then they start thinking <laughs> that they feel better because they had the bad experience. Right. Right, so they blame their progress on thinking about trauma rather than seeing that when they stop thinking about it, that's when they felt better. Right, and and it's very subtle, but I think if you really watch, I mean, this is there's a real lesson. I, I often think this is really a wonderful thing to teach children for that reason. It really makes you, uh, I, I disappointment proof. You, it buffers you from being manipulated and pushed around by other people. You know, when we start realizing no matter what, if we don't think it, it doesn't happen to us. If we don't think it, we don't experience it. If we don't think it, it doesn't come to life in our reality. So when somebody starts saying something that doesn't, you know, that isn't right, that's making you feel bad, you know, when you know that I don't have to think that just because that person's up there saying that. And I, you know, and, and I, I've done that. I mean, I've been in meetings where somebody's trying to really manipulate people. It's happened. And I'll just think about something else while they're talking. I just, I don't have to pay attention to that. It's not, it's not going to help me. There are actually whole coaching programs of working with like salespeople, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> what I call um, helping um manipulating people so they feel good and then do what you want them to do. You know, so like there's a, there's an understanding that if you talk a certain way to somebody and you, you know, like you make it personal and you do all these things that the other person is going to respond to that. And then they're more likely to buy your, what you're selling. They're more likely to get into doing what you want to do. And, you know, it's, when you recognize that, then it's like the kind of used car salesman um, mentality. You realize that you're being sold a bill of goods 
And, you know, we've all been victim to this, you know, we've all been victim to this. I mean, I have been anyway, and I bought, we bought a timeshare once, which was absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and now I look back at it and I think, oh my gosh, you know, like how manipulative was that? And then you get to the fine print on it. And it's not really what they were saying at all. Uh, but it's, um, it's when you're, when you're like feeling like you're being told how wonderful you are, you get caught up in that. And then you want to please the person you want to, you, you, it's like you go to sleep, you're hypnotized, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're actually like schools of thought in psychology that actually teach people how to do this to other people. So, you know, I think that that's understanding and security in people and, and manipulating them with that. Mm-hmm. So understanding your own insecurity and understanding how thought works and understanding the power that we have to bring our thought to life. And whether it was within our body or within our mind or within our momentary experience, that sets us free from, you know, living at the mercy of other people's thinking. And that's, I mean, that's so important. It just, that's part of peace of mind is to know that you have the power to stay at peace no matter what's going on around you. And that's a wrap. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Join us at uh, Psychology as a Backwards, the program, if you have questions or you want to learn more for yourself or just get some individual attention. uh, That's what we're there for. Okay. Take care. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com. 